There is a podcast about an island in the North Atlantic where people have been looking for an incredible treasure for more than 200 years. Hello and welcome back to Could It Be? An Oak Island podcast. We are your hosts, Deidre and Dustin White. Hey, how's it going? You know, pretty good. Yeah, we just had a major holiday here in the States. Yes, in the States, we just had Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh, your turkey was so, so good. So delicious, because I'm so kind good. of a pro at the whole turkey thing. At the turkey thing, you sure are. Yeah, we had a Thanksgiving dinner with my family. Yes. It was uh, very nice. Yes. And very wonderful. And um, all the above. I uh, hope you guys all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. All of the above. Yeah, we hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I bet you did. And if you were in Canada or somewhere else that didn't celebrate Thanksgiving this week, well, we hope you had a good week. Well, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, oh, one more thing. Tonight, you and I, we have like basically a date for the first kind time of. in like a year or so. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Yeah. Well, with my sister yes. and her friend, um, my sister, Melissa, and um, my mom gave us these tickets so this was a gift and thank you so much mom yes and uh your mom yes. is watching our kids tonight yeah so the grandma moms power are like all over it yes thank you so much to the grandmas of our kids and um i'm, I'm thankful that's something i'm thankful for uh, well me too yeah well and you're it's kind of pre-thankful right pre-thankful because it hasn't, it hasn't actually happened yet so it's kind of it's a sure. pre-think. Sure. All right. So, hey, we're going to get into the episode. Mm -hmm. But before we do, mm -hmm. a quick note. Mm -hmm. um, you see this awesome shirt I'm wearing? Yes. It says Gearheart. It does. It's got the, um, well, Carhartt kind of symbol and lettering. But it says Gearheart. It's pretty sweet. This is a hoodie that Deidre got me from our online store. Yes. OakIslandPodcast.com. And uh, click on online store. Boom. Yep. You can go find your own cool hoodie or mug or... Phone whatever cover you would like, t-shirts, uh, all yeah. sorts of fun stuff. So yes, go check it out. So all kinds of different designs. It's a great way to support the podcast yep. and get some Christmas shopping in. Yeah, it's early. that time of the year. Come on, guys. I know it's happening right now. You just put up a Christmas tree yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It is. Thanks. It's you. really good. All right. So before we get to uh, recapping the episode, mm -hmm. I do have one thing I'd like to say. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd like to begin tonight's episode or today's episode mm -hmm. uh, thanking our supporters over on Patreon. Yes. Um, and we'd like to thank Susan K for becoming our latest patron. Yes. Um, you know, if you'd like to be a supporter yourself of us, uh, like with a monetary value mm -hmm. every month, you can do that at patreon.com slash Oak Island podcast. And we could really use your support. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, pretty much, uh, you know, if, if you just download us, that's cool. That this is, is always going to be free. Yes. <laughs> but uh, your support, the support we receive via Patreon dictates how much we're able to do with the podcast. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested in, you know, continuing doing pregame live streams, mm -hmm. if you're interested in, I don't know, trading cards. Yes, any, uh, I mean, even the time I have, I put in for the designs, it, so it kind of dictates what's 
And we've talked about this at the end of our episodes. Yeah. But it's good to bring up up front. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to bring it up, put it in front of mind so that if anybody is interested, please go to patreon.com slash Oak Island podcast. Mm-hmm. You never know. There might be more trading cards in your future. There we'll might see. Be. We'll see where we get with it. Hopefully. Yeah. Um. So, and the only other thing that I need to bring up first mm-hmm. is if you, if you, we wish like Deidre and I, we wish that our listeners from the podcast version of this, because more than 90% of the people that listen to our podcast have probably never been to our Facebook page. No, and so sad. I'm begging you, if you're listening to this and you've never been to our Facebook page, or if you uh, haven't been there in a while, go check it out. We have uh, probably more than 50% of the fun stuff we do ends up there. Mm-hmm. And so you're missing out on a lot if you don't come yeah, and check it out. Bonus stuff. Well, we got memes. Yeah. We've got. There's uh, a lot of stuff that's shared there in general. Oh well, yeah, and we, you know, like we mentioned pregame, mm-hmm. we do a pregame uh, live stream once a week mm-hmm. uh, before the episode begins. Sometimes we have special guests on it, like we had Steve Guptill and Laird and yep. uh, Scott Barlow. Yeah, I mean, that, that was killer. Fun. And then, um, you know, maybe if we, maybe on our next live stream, we'll show off some of those trading cards we made so you can see what they look like yep. if you've never seen them before. So anyway, come check us out. Facebook.com slash Oak Island Podcast. Yep. All right, now we get to the episode the actual episode uh what's the name of the episode alert. yeah it's season nine episode four, four. Spo- spoils alert yes cool. all right so uh this the show begins in the swamp do you want to start there yeah we can start in the swamp so what we happens in the swamp the, in this episode how many times do they even go to the swamp in this episode once <laughs> uh yeah it might be just the once in the swamp so. i'm like looking through the notes and i'm kind of feeling like that was it, which is sad because well, everything's been kind of a. Let's get the swamp cult. out of the way then, huh? Okay, so let's do our swamp thing. <laughs> do the swamp thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, Marty arrives to the swamp w- with Rick Spooner, Steve, and Laird. Of course, Laird's in charge. You like how Spooner just gets his last name? I that's I know how it I, just, that's how I do it. It sticks and. Yeah. Honestly, when any of the team call him Ian, I'm like, who's Ian? <laughs> I know who Ian is. Spooner. Spooner. Yeah, so they're all there. Marty asks Laird if this is the scene of the problem. And Laird says, this is ground zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marty's still feeling a little bad from last week. but Well, I think so is Laird. Yeah, probably. And so uh, Laird explained that they, had, they have a permit to work in this area, uh, but he showed them... Um, uh, Marty, where he and Liz found the Mi'kmaq pottery. Sorry. Mm-hmm. There was a flashback to finding that art, the artifacts last week and the fallout that resulted to the all stop. <laughs> I, okay. I also noted that Laird, when he said that the Mi'kmaq pottery was found right over here, and he says, this is all under permitted work. <laughs> like, he wants to make sure everybody knows it's been permitted for him to be right there. True that. But that's it. Yeah. Yeah, well, he had to make sure we know. Hey, before we go on, mm-hmm. in the chat, Jenny getting with it, getting inky with it, is uh, not wanting us to forget about YouTube. Yes. So you can also stream us on YouTube. We have the video. You can see us. We're waving at the camera now. Hi. Um, you can see us through YouTube if you go to our YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash Oak Island Podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. So thank you, Jenny. All right. Um, yeah. So... I don't know. Uh, Clotworthy then explains that the team has agreed to stop search activity in the southeast corner of the swamp, also known as the buffer zones. <laughs> uh, and from there, like whatever that center piece is, it goes <laughs> out 
120 feet from one spot in all directions as the no-go zone, right? Yes, yeah. So mm-hmm. that tells me on the map that we saw last week mm-hmm. that those red circles are 240 feet wide. So ding 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 ding. Wow. That's awesome. Because I, you know, I pulled, I pulled the uh, radius mm-hmm. out of there. Mm-hmm. So from like the Mi'kmaq pottery or that pile of it rocks, it gave you a diameter. Yes, what? but that's good because that means I can align it when overlaying my maps, and I have the proper proportions mm-hmm. when laying it next to, say, the stone road. It it helps me when they don't give me all the information. It's me plugging stuff in. <laughs> it helps you. It helps. It helps me. And it doesn't that's help important. the rest of us, I don't think. It does. If you benefit from my maps at all, then it I do, but you. not everybody does because yeah. not everybody. I haven't it. had map time lately. Yeah. Well, maybe on a pregame, we'll do some map time. If I. Uh, if we have time for map time. If I have an updated map. Oh, my gosh. I forgot to mention. What? Gary Drayton's doing a pregame this week. Oh, on yeah. Tuesday at our time. Thanks, Gary. So we're going to do. Uh, a mini a mini pregame it's only going to be 30 minutes prior to gary's live stream so it'll it's 4 30 pacific standard time and that'll be 7 30 eastern mm-hmm. so, so then we'll log off at the half so that you guys can go watch gary we'll try to remember to repeat this at the end of the podcast yes though. all right sorry go for it what's up what else is happening oh i was just talking about the buffer zones and saying how big yeah. um they are on my map because that was super important to me. Um, they get into talking about Marty, not about Marty. Marty gets into talking about the stone feature or kind of like the pile of rocks. And Spooner replies, you know, that these are definitely human place rocks. Oh, yeah. And Marty notes that it isn't as clear as the stone road, which we were just talking about. And uh, Dr. Spooner says it's not, but it's a clear attempt you know like with interference between land and wetland that's right there to produce some type of dry surface and marty asked maybe a platform and spooner agrees that could be a platform or a continuation there of a platform or road or wharf whatever and rick says that this particular feature looks a lot like the original paved area Dun, dun, dun. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, Spooner needs to be looking for sticks under rocks now. He's not allowed to. I know. I'll stop. I'll stop. Sorry. It does Try look, again later. <laughs> it does look a lot like the original paved area, though, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, they look similar, right? The stone road and the original paved area, but not that similar. Like, the this is much more crude and, to me, looks very mm-hmm. much like different builders what are you smirking about did you see what karen said in the chat what did you do i spilled water on myself oh <laughs> clever my bad <laughs> she she thinks it's funny you think it's funny oh yeah it's funny it's kind of funny all right uh rick then went on to say that this feature looks like um like you just said the original paved area mm-hmm. and so um that got me thinking too like this can't possibly be from the 1200s either kid it why not? I don't know. <laughs> like, well, that's why the... I'm saying he needs to look for sticks under rocks. Where but... was the shoreline back then? You know? Yes, because I I know that. I can look into my crystal ball and tell you where the I'm just asking, was. like, was that part underwater in the 1200s? I don't know. I know they were working on figuring that out. And maybe 
maybe. Yeah, so Spooner notes that this was an incredibly active area, and the Stone Road tells them that there is a flashback to the items found over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, the barrels, you know, the peg leg that we the keep talking about. The peg leg. Etc. So um, there's also the new stone feature may be headed directly toward the money pit, according to Steve Guptill's projection. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going on here. And oh we're all kind of just wah wah. Well, I'll stop. It is. It, it's a real bummer. And I was thinking about the original stone paved area. Let me see here if I could find the map. Mm-hmm. And actually, so the circle that's to the north west of where they're at that's kind of by nolan's cross is above the paved area the Mm. original paved area it just it's a real bummer that they can't compare or do anything further in there to compare to the other one bummer yo bummer it is a bummer. It makes me sad. All right. So there's a little side interview where Laird said that he's not surprised to find evidence of the Mi'kmaq people on Oak Island, mm-hmm. but the stones features are really puzzling to him and we can, uh, they can discount the uh, Mi'kmaq people from creating them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have no record of them doing anything like that. And they're not going to be able to continue digging there until they get clearance from the uh, Mi'kmaq rights initiative and community culture and heritage. Yep. Full stop. That made me think, so then were the Mi'kmaq here before, right? Whoever built the feature and then they built on top of it. But I don't think they were digging down underneath the rocks there, right? They were just to the side of it. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Don't know. That was all. But you know what? I'm yeah. just going to say this right now. I'm, I'm skipping ahead to the very end real quick. And okay. that's just the... Um, no, next time on the Cursed Oak Islands, uh-huh. we see Laird in the war room. Yes. And so it's not all bad. He didn't get kicked out of the war room. He least. didn't get kicked so out of the war they, room. They don't, but they, they don't blame him for everything. He might be getting grilled. and nah. it, I mean, it's hard to say. Nah, he's 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 still one of the top guys. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. He's Laird. He's Laird. All right. Marty says that they're going to do what's right and they'll continue to do what's right. But they also have to look after their own rights. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this has thrown a major complication in things from his standpoint. And he asks Rick if he agrees. Rick replied, it certainly hampers the search. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Marty says, especially when they're turning up all these things, it's relative to um, to their search. You know, it's a bummer. It's it's frustrating. Yeah. There is another little side interview with Marty that says all of a sudden they shut down <laughs> and uh, we will follow the law. But being shut down in that area hasn't uh, in an area that hasn't revealed all of its secrets is frustrating. Yeah. Marty's still a little. And uh, we see that in his sour face. Yeah. On on what's been going down, if you will. Yep. There's also a little interview with Rick where he says that because there are certain areas that are off limits, the team needs to refocus and readjust and maybe look in areas that they previously dismissed and they'll just keep looking forward. There's no obstacle that cannot be overcome. That's the Rick I like. That's that's that's, that's, that's my boy right there. Well, that's Mr. optimistic. How they got here in the first place yeah. is looking at areas that have been overlooked right i mean Mm -hmm. that's what covid has brought us now for two seasons Mm -hmm. and that's produced some good results oh yeah so let's keep doing that yep all right so what else do we have we We have have money pit and then we have metal detecting the spoils piles so which one do you want to do let's do money pit yeah let's get through the money pit all right 
So at the beginning of uh, the first Money Pit session, mm -hmm. uh, we have work beginning on Borehole D1, part of the C1 cluster. Bingo. So it is D1. Is it D1 is on the intersection of one and D on the um, grid, right? Yes. And just like C is on the intersection of C and one on the grid, right? Yeah. I'm really mad at history channel right now. See if those of you that can see. This is how oh, it's almost in focus. This is how C1 actually lays on the grid. Okay. okay. Uh -huh. In the history channels grid mm -hmm. they have it where the top of c1 actually does the intersecting where c1 would lie on the grid okay. but in the actual coordinates within the real world this is post steve and his very accurate gps mm -hmm. it it didn't land exactly on where c1 would be within the grid okay. but they make you believe it they do make you believe it and i i freaked out well, for a minute thinking my map was wrong <sighs> The, no, I did digging. It was see, not wrong. Us, the people that listen to this podcast, and the people like me and you doing the podcast, we're special kind of people. We we look. <laughs> That's a good way to We put look it. at those details. Yeah, we examine every little bit of them. Most, you know, there's like two and a half million people that watch this just in the United States each week. Yes, those people are just like, oh, this is just a good show. I'm just gonna, you know, root them on and not, not like pour over every little detail. Okay. Like I understand you're, why you're a they special would case. place. Yeah, I'm a special case and a special case on called C1. I can understand why they would put it so that it looks like it actually reaches up to the proper C1. In 2015, I did not expect them to be able to precisely do it, say, the way Sir Stephen of Guptill would, because they didn't have those tools. But sure. the goal was that the outer edge was going to hit C1. Sure. That's not actually where it lies in the real world when you drop it in. Now, if you are in the like fake me, world though, right? In the imaginary, what do I want to say? Not <laughs> unrealistic. In in an ideal world, <laughs> that's where it would have landed. Okay. And you know, if if Steve was there in 2015, it probably would have landed there. However, because it was off by a tiny bit, they did find gold shiny thing, right? Off by an inch, off by a mile. So I guess it's a good thing it didn't actually land there. I'm just saying I don't want falsehoods floating out there or people thinking my map's wrong because I went back and double-checked my work. <laughs> You're probably the only one that did. Uh, yeah. No, so I doubt it. Trisha in the chat is saying, Deidre, you need to be the continuity editor of the show. Yes. Yes. I concur. I would nominate her for that too. Thank you. <laughs> How do we make that happen? I don't know. Okay. You have Prometheus's phone number, don't you? <laughs> yeah, call just give him a call and be like, hey, your grid's wrong. Yeah, I've been nominated this and it needs to be. <laughs> All right. So anyway, C1 cluster, yeah. D1, you Terry and Scott uh, receive a choice sausage um, on Terry's operating table from a depth of 85 feet. Dun, Scott, dun, dun. Yeah, Scott notes that they're about at the depth where they pulled the metal out of borehole D2. Mm-hmm. So there is a flashback of finding that metal in D2 because we all love uh, the clotworthy flashbacks. Right? Well, it helps with continuity, right? Yep. So we're getting reminders of where things have come. Yeah, look at you doing your job already. That's how I, that's why I'm here. I'm <laughs> sure, yeah, they really take their time to uh, pay attention to. Trisha says they, we, she can start a letter, letter writing campaign. Well, she said we, she didn't say she oh, would. I think she would. Okay. I think she would for you. 
Okay. Let's do it. She's one of your biggest fans. Well, I'm one of her biggest fans. (laughs) Thanks, Trisha. All right. So uh, they put it on the table. They slice it open. It's from a depth of 89 to 99 feet, this uh, choice sausage. right? Less than a foot from the 89-foot area, Terry says that they find something that's interesting all of a sudden. And they pull out a large chunk of wood, and Terry notes that they found a lot of tunnels around the 90-foot area, in case you forgot. Uh, in case, but it makes sense. That's our tunnel horizon. That's our 90-foot stone horizon. Mm-hmm. I know, man. I, I want them to find another 90-foot stone. Well, and I <laughs> keep thinking, okay, so let's say they are in the area of the money pit, mm-hmm. right? And if they're moving around, and uh, what if those the wood platforms, like, extended, all like a very long way, like you said, turn left. Maybe instead of hitting a tunnel, they're just hitting like the 90 foot platform again and again and again. Perhaps just gonna throw it out. You there. know, I'm thinking, I, I don't know. This probably you probably brought this up before, probably, but I brought up, uh, I made like a meme and put it on Facebook this week about the 90 foot stone. Yes, and like, do you think this is what the 90 foot stone actually looked like? And it's like Ooh. what's on display in the um, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's what the, compared to what's on display in the interpreter center and what mm-hmm. they show at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, what if when they found the 90 foot stone, it was like basically upside down mm-hmm. and they turned the stone and looked beneath it and it had all those symbols. But if you correctly figure out what those symbols actually say, it just says peace on earth. Was all it said. Yeah. Don't you remember? Yeah, we <laughs> Did definitely we have had, this discussion? Yes. My bad. <laughs> and the, that's what the 90-foot stone was. But I'm glad you brought the 90-foot okay. stone. I was doing some <laughs> reading mm-hmm. this week. So if you haven't checked out, was it like oakislandmystery.com? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the webpage that Darcy O'Connor mm-hmm. uh, manages. And so we know he is very well-versed in the Oak Island Mysteries written Books. He's been on the show. He's got great theories, and they include that of a Spanish treasure mm-hmm. on Oak Island, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So he, within that, has the archive, like has put archives from all of his research and other research that's been gathered, including drawings of where perspective like shafts would be and all that. And I was reading through uh, one of the sections about uh, and a descriptor of the 90 foot stone and its history and someone who had saw it, blah, blah, blah. And there something I hadn't realized is there are two different writings of the 90 foot stone. One that has some additional symbols that have been added or changed. And then a different account of the one in which you see inscribed at the interpretive center. Right. Mm -hmm. And Darcy O'Connor is the one that had done that one. You'll see his little name on the plaque. Um, But I was like, okay, this is what we were talking about in the past, too, is was it written down correctly? And here's a chance of maybe not. And not only was it written down correctly, when it was passed on to the next person, did someone add or change some symbols or subtract some symbols I know treasure hunters want to mess other people up so they don't That's, follow in their foottails and find the treasure they barely missed. Yeah, if you're sending it out to someone, your hope is going to that they will translate it. 
you know, maybe you throw some extra things in there or you take a few things out so they transcribe what is there and they give you something that's maybe a bit more gobbledygook. And then once you insert the other things, you can fill in, you know, just like you would say on Wheel of Fortune when you've got a couple missing characters. And he's got both of those from the description in the same place. What's real, what's fake, we don't know. But that's just an example of what you were talking about. Does this say what you think it says? You that was I, it. So go check it out. You know what I wonder? What? I wonder if uh, if I could buy a vowel and have it appear on it. Maybe. maybe. Probably not. Uh, Janet in the chat says maybe there was uh, the inscription uh, goes to this side up. And it has a because it has the arrow. Mm, yeah, there it's you know. very possible. <laughs> um if you read some of the cryptography books, or even if you watch the lost symbol, maybe you know how he interprets the symbols on the bottom of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. it, it's not that you're translating characters; you're reading each symbol differently. I don't know. And in what language? And in what language? And that's just it. If it if you're translating it as symbols, because those are more of a universal language than actual characters. That's to say something. Okay, I'll stop. But you started it. I did start it. All right. Back to uh, <laughs> D1. <laughs> Back to the borehole D1. Uh, Terry says that if it's a shaft, what the wood they found, mm -hmm. um, it's either a very large shaft or it's a tunnel, and it matches very well with the intersections at 90 feet, like you were talking about, mm -hmm. and the C1 cluster. And so they're like, you know what? Let's give Rick a call. Ring, ring. Because why not, right? On the Rick phone. Yep, but uh, uh, Rick arrives and uh, Terry tells him that they think they may have found an intersection of the tunnel, and, but he and Scott are leaning more towards shaft. Rick says that they are in an area where they have a very little inclination that there may be something up here. And now they have empirical evidence that there is something in this area. So he thinks that they have to continue. Only Rick Lagina uses the word empirical. Yeah, very few people use that word in their common. Oh, well, I was gonna say speech. in their common language, maybe to like go back and if you're trying to change up your language in a book, mm -hmm. no, but that's just part I support of Rick's it. vocabulary. We yeah. support we it. Do. We do love we, that makes Rick Rick. Yeah, he's a he is a unique fellow. All right, so there is a side interview with Rick where he says they're they may have certainly found man-made workings at the most northerly point or part of the money pit. So mm -hmm. on that basis alone, it's significantly interesting. The hope of course, is that it is original work and thus the implication that we are near to a depositional target. <laughs> oh, Rick. <sighs> yeah. At least we can understand what he's saying. He's very even clear. If it's, He's very clear. Yeah. But you know what? There is a little, there is one more part of the money pit area. That's a little more North of all that. Mm -hmm. The women's memorial. <laughs> yeah. Where was it? Shaft two. I hope they don't have to tear that thing down. I guarantee they do because we've seen an overhead aerial shots. Float. Oh, they, they tore it down. I'm 90% sure that they've been digging in that area. Mm. I thought, that I maybe it was a different spoils pile, but it looked like that was. Hmm. I don't recall. I don't think I've ever seen that, but maybe it was early in the year. So yeah. hard to say. 
Hard to say. Well, Rick tells Scott and Terry that uh, they'll see where this goes. Terry replied, we'll follow the evidence. Always. Like, like they always do. All right. So that was the first trip to the um, money pit. Money pit. What's the next trip to the money Round pit? Round two in the money pit. Are you working on a different borehole? Yes. So Terry and Charles, they're working on borehole CD 4.5. Uh Terry says, let's see what Lady Luck gives us. While Adam from Choice Sausage brings over from Choice, Choice Sausage. Sausage. From Choice... <laughs> How about from Choice Drilling? <laughs> I like Choice Sausage. Well, from Choice Drilling brings over a Choice Sausage. Grade go. A. Grade CD. Oh, man. That is some good stuff. Yep. Uh, and puts on the operating table. Adam informs... <laughs> Terry or Charles that the sausage is from 78 feet in depth. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. like choice sausage. So the, the, they cut it open. They're looking at it. Charles found wood at approximately the 75 foot level. Mm-hmm. Like, cause he's like, well, this is about three feet from the end. Right. Yeah. And so he does some quick math in his head. Simple okay. math. Right. Uh, Terry says that they went from rich clay into a section of beam, some kind of timber, uh, thinks it could be part of a tunnel. Charles concurs. Uh, of course. Then Scott shows up. <laughs> Make sure everybody's behaving themselves. Uh, anyway, so Scott pulls up to Terry's operating table table mm-hmm. and shows him, you know, they show him what he's fa- they found. They're pretty excited to tell someone. Charles says if there's metal in here, the pinpointer will find it. Ooh. And he's got his pinpointer beep, ready beep, to beep, go, beep, beep, right? Beep, beep, beep. I okay. mean, he's pretty excited and pretty proud of his job. Like, he's the only one allowed. He is, he is the, it's like he's certified in the pinpointer. You know, Terry does uh, most of the stuff at the table, but Charles is there to detect the metal. Yes, with his uh, pinpointer. Pinpointer of pointing. Yeah. Uh, and as Charles is running it over the section, he gets a hit but it's like uh, I'm not sure if it's a screw or not and on the in the table. So mm-hmm. uh, Scott offers to kind of lift <laughs> said sausage up. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Teamwork makes the dream work. And sure enough, Charles goes across and it's a legit metal find. And it Charles is. says, "Whatever the heck is that?" <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! Um, I actually loved that. What the heck that is? I don't know. <laughs> that feels like a classic Oak Island line. So I was like, Charles can always say, I'm, well, I need to you hear know, again then. what the heck that is. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> hey, I don't know either, bro. I, I don't know. Right. And Charles is supposed to know everything. Yeah. So there was a little side interview with Charles right after that. that mm-hmm. said they're very interested in the C1 cluster area because they're getting a lot of wood hits and they're finding pieces of metal. And that's, What's really interesting about this is that they have no historical record of any work being done in this area. And if anybody knows, it's Charles, the walking encyclopedia of Oak Island. Yes, Charles knows. (laughs) Uh, So Charles recommends a bag and tag it and let's get it to Kelly Barasa at the um, archaeology trailer. Mm -hmm. So don't worry, we'll go there, guys. It's coming up. Mm Mm-hmm. Rick arrives to the money pit with Brendan McMahon from Choice. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry gives Rick the lowdown of what's been happening. Charles shows Rick the piece of metal and uh, tells him it has some weight to it. Mm-hmm. Rick says that um, it's hard to say what it is. 
and uh, he and Brennan agree that it's not from the drilling rig. Mm -hmm. So it, he calls it another mystery. That's what it is. Classic Oak Island. Classic Oak Island. Yeah, they're like, that's not from our stuff. Nope. But that was super interesting and cool, right? Yeah. They found another because we learned more about it later. Yeah. So from there. Um, Do we go back to the money pit again? I don't think so. Nope, we don't. That was it. But we do go somewhere else. To the archaeology. Oh, come on. Oh, I thought so you were going to push the button first. No, we have to say it first. Oh, to, to the, the archaeology trailer. trailer. <laughs> we're there. We're there. All right. We so flew. Rick and Charles arrived to meet up with Marty mm -hmm. Lagina. Versus the other Marty that's well, on the island. Not not Marty Latina. <laughs> Sorry. I, somebody that's had a typo on Facebook yesterday and said something about Marty Latina. I'm like, who's Marty Latina? No, okay. I don't know. Not everybody proofreads. I do like, I try to like five times before I press enter mm -hmm. on something. But <laughs> anyway, I thought that was Autocorrect, yo. Yeah. It happens. Okay. So <laughs> Marty Lagina and Kelly Barasa. Um, they're, they're at the archaeology trailer. Rick says that the unusual thing about this piece of metal was that it was found at 75 and a half feet and the tunnel horizon has been at a depth of 86 to 93 feet. So what the heck's it doing here? It's Mar allowed to move around. You blew up the entire island. Okay. <laughs> that is all. That is all. Uh, Kelly says it looks mint like on the surface and he doesn't think that much cleaning could be done. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, they can still test it in the XRF machine, the X-ray fluorescent uh, machine. Just XRF. You don't have to go into sure. the whole spiel. So into the XRF it goes, right? Yes. And it gets some readings, um, some like metals and elements stop, start popping up. Mm -hmm. We got 87% iron. Mm -hmm. Wasn't really um, expecting to see much different. You weren't expecting to see no, something No, because it was heavy, you know. Yeah. It just sounded like iron, uh, but something caught Marty's eye. The element AU. Everybody knows that one because they're waiting for it to pop up. And uh, it caught his eye and it's 0.2% gold was detected. Marty says, how about that? <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, oh my goodness. My notes just like moved themselves. Where are we at? Can you go on? Uh, yeah. Uh, so Charles notes that the shallow depth of where they found it of the 75 feet uh, as we were kind of talking about before and marty likes that because that's not as deep as you know 250 or even 90 so that's a good sign um because to marty he's always felt that the most logical solution was an offset chamber as far as the money pit goes and how does a piece of iron from 75 feet get gold on it and maybe you know they're near that section of that offset chamber which would be why it'd be closer to the surface and a little bit away from the traditional money pit yes. spot yeah oh he said it's all very exciting so well, duh. we're all excited we're right there with you buddy uh rick says that he and charles will go back to the drill table and uh they'll be back with more of this for uh, kelly to look at and marty says good find some more yeah, and I noted Kelly is just kind of giddy. Like, <laughs> he is loving this machine and yeah. being able to hang out in the archaeology trailer, 
clean stuff up all the time that they're bringing in. He he's really happy about it. He, he was stoked. He is very happy about that. But now we're leaving the archaeology trailer away from the archaeology trailer. Oh, All right. So, so now we're going to go to lot 18, searching the Dunfield spoils piles. Yeah. So we've got a few different spoils areas that we're at, right? Oh. Yep. So uh, Charles and Scott, they await Billy's arrival with an excavator. And Naturally. so then they all get to work. Scott noted that it's been a rainy day and Billy replied that he's been washing his ex ex excavator. Right. Gosh, I mean, he's see. using the, the natural water falling from the sky. Yeah. yeah. Free, Way to be resourceful. Free car wash. Free, car wash. free excavator wash. Yeah. Scott points to some pile, uh, spoils piles and says that they remain there from the Dunfield excavation in the 1960s. Which is interesting because the spot on lot 18 they're at is south from where they've been traditionally digging with drilling in the money pit. Yeah. I've been wondering kind of what that mound is. But they leveled out a lot of that mound. They did. What was it? Not last year, but the not this last year, year before when Billy showed up in shorts in the snow. <laughs> and they were showing Maddie Blake like the before and after of kind of these piles i don't recall and they had flattened out a lot of that area that's why they went out to say what was it isaac's point so they're gonna have to be looking out there for some spoils too maybe i don't know um i don't remember that but that doesn't mean it didn't happen but maybe it didn't happen you're just misremembering I highly doubt that. No, actually, I do remember um, him talking about pushing stuff out to Isaac's point. It's definitely not as high as it used to be. And they yeah. took it to other areas to fill in, which is probably why they ended up behind Dan Blankenship's memorial. I mean, it had to go somewhere. You can't just leave a giant mountain. <laughs> you can't. You, I mean, can't, you can't could, but that wouldn't be good. Mm -hmm. Let's not do that. Yeah, so Charles says that uh, they could spread out some of it, you know, and get married get married get gary over there with his metal detector i was trying to say metal detector and gary at the same time married detector yeah. um you know i talked to gary today he, i know i saw yeah he's like my best friend no he's not i mean yes he is yeah well he posted a picture on facebook of like him uh or i think he probably did on twitter too but his uh treasure finds or instagram yeah. is what he does usually right so he put a picture of like he his metal detector in the water, uh -huh. and he uh, he has a ring that's on the ocean floor that he's like scuba diving or something to, uh -huh. to you know do his thing. And I asked him, uh, "Do you say to yourself, my precious, um, every time you see a ring in the water, or does your mind go straight to Bobby Dazzler?" And Gary told me, uh, he says, "Ooh, look at that." Uh, with this gold ring as I saw it just before my search coil went over it. That's that's what he thinks. He doesn't do the my precious thing, which is which I kind of wish he did. No, he does a very much more Gary Drayton thing. Uh, that's true. That's so true. It's, you wouldn't expect any less. Uh -uh. So thanks for that, Gary. That was fun. All right. Um, back to the Dunfield spoils. Right. Uh, Gary was going to go over, or they want Gary to go over these with a the metal detector. There right. is a flashback to the Dunfield excavation of the 100 foot wide, 140 feet deep hole uh, in the money pit. Clotworthy explains that uh, Dunfield never checked his spoils. 
just dug them out. He was just trying to get to the bottom. Well, let's. And, and he didn't do he didn't do like a cylinder down. No, it, it was, was a, a cone. cone. Like you had to, so it didn't cave in on itself. Yeah, but I think a lot of people when they hear those numbers, they're like, okay, 100 feet wide, 140 feet deep. That must mean all of that scooped out, which it wasn't. No, and I've been trying to find uh, better document documents um, that kind of show how. I've far seen a few on Facebook that show kind of the um, the dig and like the different layers of the earth. Uh, yeah, but I'm trying to be able to pinpoint it on the map. So, like what we have in oh, what the maps we usually see for the edge of the Dunfield dig is only about 25 feet wide. So I'm wondering if it's a hundred feet wide, I'm guessing it's also not a perfect circle, but it could have been. I would like to know how far out, like where exactly that all lied and what the angle was coming down. If I know if it's at 140 feet deep, I can figure it out clearly, but it would give a better idea of where the intersections actually took place. But that that's all I got. Let's, but I do want to bring up Dunfield. Yes, he gets a bad rap for destroying a lot, right? But I'd like to make clear that his permitting, like his dig, and it was hard to get permits. They he only had six months. So he he was like, I just got to do as much damage as I can. I mean, <laughs> when you're only given that and they won't extend it, versus what they're talking about with a big dig taking years. Yeah. There's, I mean, what are you going to do? You're wow. not going to be sifting through looking for clues along the way. You're looking for something big that you're going to run into. So justice for Dunfield. I don't, I'm, I'm not saying justice <laughs> for Dunfield, but I, in for a treasure hunter to oh, yeah, I know. come in and say, well, I have six months. And this is the most likely way. You know, and I'm going to find I, it. And I'm going to find it. Yep. You're not thinking about anything else. Yep. And if he had not done that, there'd be a big red circle over that area right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> he provided some green <laughs> yeah. and not the spendable kind. Because <laughs> yeah. I think he went bankrupt probably after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he ran out of money. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, in a side interview, we have Marty saying that these spoils piles could find Rick's one thing. You can it find could. anything. Yeah. So who the heck knows? That's why it's worth going through them. Uh, Clotworthy explains that since the team can't work in the swamp, that's why they're looking in this area. Bingo. Wait. See? Oh, bingo. Exactly. That's not off limits. Just like when Steve and Michael John were searching through old spoils yep. from before might as well do it and they came out with the stone well, we're gonna get to that stone oh we are all right so gary and jack also joined Char um charles scott and billy out there at the spoils piles um billy told gary that he spread the spoils real thin for him to go through gary says let's find something um well let's find something good and mm -hmm. jack says go get him gare <laughs> it's like he's released the hounds yeah to which gary replied I'll be calling you. Calls them pretty quick. Mm -hmm. There is a side interview with Rick and he says that they're hoping to find an artifact that is an aha moment. And he doesn't know what it could be. It could be some word work shaped by hand, by the hand of man that comes from a very early date. 
Gary gets a hit. He finds a piece of metal that he didn't believe was a spike. He uh, identified it as a chisel. Yeah, it definitely looked like smaller than you would be for, say, tunneling. Mm -hmm. He says that it's an oldie because it has some heft to it. Uh And then we had Charles Agreen and Jack asked what you would use a chisel like this for. And Billy says that he thinks um, something like the finer details on stonework. uh, Charles agrees with that assessment. So, like, I don't know. Like, basically... We have like Clotworthy going into a thing. Maybe this was the chisel used for the 90 foot stone, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, he explains history on the several carved stones Mm -hmm. on the island, the HO stone, uh, the G stone, uh, the 1704 stone, 90 foot stone. Um, There's actually pictures and uh, more documentation about these on that Oak Island mystery Mm. uh, page, like pictures. And um, what is it again? Oakislandmystery.com, I believe. Um, Darcy O'Connor's uh, cool. website. On there, it, I actually read an account of. So I used, I had heard that the bottom of the oak tree that was above the money pit had inscriptions mm. on it, but it was actually a stone near mm. that, um, according to Darcy O'Connor. Uh, whatever the account he red was but there's no picture of that mm. stone naturally wah, wah. Wah, wah. that doesn't help us a whole lot then no but it could but, have been the key legit yeah, yeah well they they do talk about the 90 foot stone how it was found in 1804 and it could have been translated to saying uh 40 feet below two million pounds are buried and i'm thinking okay i don't think it said that it said drink your oval team please i think it's a lot more likely to say that <laughs> I don't know. I just think it said something else, but I've never tried to decipher that thing because I don't believe that that code is what's really uh, what was on the 90 foot stone. So I don't know. Hmm. But you're really into the 90. Foot I love stone. the 90 foot stone. I, I hope they find it someday. Uh, hopefully. Like, I don't know. I still think the thing they found in the book bindery is. The 90 I mean, foot it stone. could be there's it's not to say it isn't. I don't know. It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, anywho, back to Gary. Um, Gary says that they'll definitely get this checked out and it's not written in stone, but it, uh, it is what it looks like. And, uh, Charles says no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gary continues saying that it looked like the hand point chisel to him. Jack and Gary, uh, Jack tells Gary he did a good job. Well done. (laughs) Gets a little pat on the back. Well done. Well done. So there is one more section of going through the spoils. Is there only one more? Yeah. So Dunfield spoils on lot 18. Mm -hmm. We have Gary, Jack, and Billy uh, metal detecting and digging again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Billy asks Jack to look in his bucket. Says there is consistently wood. Some of the wood looks very dark. And Jack goes and checks it out. Yeah, he's like, you know. Digging through the bucket. Yeah. Billy's like, here, it's like an Easter basket. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. So uh, Jack pulls out a chunk of wood, uh-huh. says it looks intentionally cut, and he hands it to Billy for his opinion. And he definitely agrees. Jack says it's hand hewn, and Billy says it's too thick to be dimensional. So it must be like manually cut. Uh-huh. That's old. Y- that was yeah. before you could go to Home Depot and get your wood. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's Long crazy. It's but it did. I mean, it's got the kind of like right angle 
on it, it looked like the end of some wood. Well, clearly it was wood, but it looked like the end of a planking or something. Yep. And uh, Jack hustles around the excavator to go to the area that Billy is scooping from for a better look. Uh -huh. Gary joins him and begins metal detecting. Billy says that nails or anything found in these spoils piles would be good. I concur, Billy. So Gary gets a hit almost immediately. Beep, 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 beep. And uh, like Jack's like, you already got a hit? And uh, <laughs> he finds something that he identifies as a cribbing spike. Jack says, wow, that looks really old. Mm -hmm. uh, Gary says that they can have it tested to see if it's pre-1830s or 1840s. Mm -hmm. There's a little side interview where Gary tells the viewers... Uh, what a cribbing spike is, if we forgot. Mm -hmm. It's an iron fastener used to connect two pieces of wood together, normally associated with shafts or tunnels, and this spike could be part of the construction of the original money pit. It, yeah, I mean, they haven't told us yet this year Yeah, what it is, so, so if there's newbies. Yep, so they needed to let us know. All right, that is it for, like, boots on the ground stuff. Now we're doing some war room. Yeah. Let's see here. What is our first... War room. Well, we, we got a war room with Dr. Rayside. So we had Mark. Mark. Who's Mark? I'm trying to. Okay. So now I'm trying to say Marty and Rick together. And I oh, I was like, Mark. <laughs> I, I was really thinking her. Like, okay. Did oh, I miss? No, someone? there's not somebody new in the war room. Uh, I mean, there is. Uh, there is that is. kind of like the benefer of the time? No. If it's Mark. All right. Marty, Rick, Craig, Alex, Doug, Gary. Ian Spooner, Billy, Charles, they're all there to meet with Dr. Robert Rayside, a professor of geology and earth science at Acadia University in Woolfield, Nova Scotia, to get his compositional analysis of the gunstones found by Michael John last year and Gary Drayton this year. Did you say that was the war room? Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. I was looking over here at the research center, and they're talking about the find on lot 16, which is the gunstone. Which is the war room you're about to talk about. So why don't I oh, give gotcha. the rundown of this real quick? Okay. So So wait, we're going back. Oh, to so the research center. Yeah, so the research together. center My is bad. when mm -hmm. they are getting together and they're talking to Dr. Spooner mm -hmm. about the top pocket find that Gary found on lot 16, which we'll talk about in the war room. And they're showing Marty the stone uh oh yeah yeah the stone mm -hmm. shot that he found with rick That's last right. week and they want dr ian spooner's opinion on it right yeah and marty asks him what he thinks and he says uh it's not natural <laughs> he says it's unlike anything he's seen in nova scotia um so he agrees it's not natural and it doesn't look like a stone from around the area and gary says that he believes they found another gunstone and they look to be you know of the same caliber as the one that they had found before uh spooner says that the main thing to him is that they're not from nova scotia and rick says that that's important i'd agree rick i'd mm -hmm. agree mm -hmm. and that and spooner said hey, really you should take it to a expert AKA not me. I mean, I'm, I can tell you it's not natural, but that's really it. And Marty's ready to take it straight to uh, Krista Brousseau. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to take it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was ready to go before even seeing it. So um, they all agreed that it's very, very odd. And that is when they decide 
then that's when we go into the war room. But what did Marty say at the very end there? I just said he wanted to take it. No, like oh, caps. He said, make it so. <laughs> done that in a while i i know I, it's christmas his, time now and his uh shirt matches marty's so yeah make it so make it so oh my gosh <sighs> here's something else no make it so marty okay so back to the war room where everybody is gathered and they're talking to the doctor the whole crowd mm -hmm. dr rayside yeah and so um yeah marty asked dr rayside what his opinions are on the stones right mm -hmm. so dr r says that when he first saw the rocks, he thought that they might have been just picked up off a beach somewhere. But then he got a chance to really look at them. And he used a hand lens, he says, and saw that they uh, are small. There are small green minerals mm -hmm. in each one. And that his best guess is that these are, how do you say that word? Ol olivine? <laughs> olivine? Yeah. Bearing rocks? <laughs> yeah. Uh, of an olivine garbo and olivine basalt. A basalt is a rock that erupted volcanically, and a garbo rock is a rock that never quite made it to the surface. I'll take his word for it. I believe you. You know, wait, wait. I'm thinking to myself, don't they already have a geologist? I know. Maybe he, I. Maybe they needed a. Like, Terry was too busy, and they need. It's well, like need a second opinion. Terry's always busy. Exactly. He really is. He's worried about wood embedded and embedded sediments and limestone mm -hmm. that's so he's got a different job mm -hmm. that's it all right so um let me see where was that oh marty asks if that kind of thing is likely to be found on oak island dr r says definitely not like do you have a volcano nearby yeah <laughs> marty's like i like that he liked <laughs> that info uh, Dr. Rayside, is that what his name is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rayside, um, continued that the composition of the rocks is quite unusual for anything he would expect to see in Nova Scotia. Rick asks, well, where else in the world might these kind of rocks exist? Mm -hmm. And Dr. R replied that they are generally in hotspot volcanic island chains like the Azores or the Canary Islands. Um, those would be obvious places to find something like this. Mm -hmm. uh, Doug and Rick kind of give each other the look you know the look right well like yeah 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 um they do and gary says that those two islands are synonymous with transatlantic adventurers and conquistadors the canary islands for spanish and um in spain mm -hmm. uh and the azores for portugal portuguese like what uh terry duvaux has been talking about right it's all coming together uh, right. Trisha in the chat, she's saying Garbo, which I'm sure we're saying wrong, mm -hmm. uh, is made from cooled magma, not lava. Mm. So lava is above the crust. Well, look at that. Mm. Well, look at here. Deidre likes cheese in the crust. I do. I don't. It's well, it's fine. It's delicious. Like I just don't like Pizza Hut. It's. It's the Garbo of pizza. <laughs> if you say so. Or the lava. I'm not. Well, if it's. Yeah. Lava's above the crust. So it's the Garbo of pizza. Mm. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you, Trisha. I appreciate that. <clears throat> oh my gosh. I keep losing my place in the notes. It just Why? keeps going right back up to the top. I don't know. Well, um, there's a flashback that discusses that discusses the Spanish and Portuguese theories. Yes. Uh, Clotworthy goes on to explain that Dan Blakenship and Fred Nolan thought that, you know, rogue sea captains may have used Oak Island to hide a portion of their plunder. Hmm. Definitely not out of the question. And then there was also a flashback to Terry DeVoe and mm -hmm. his Portuguese theory, like I just mentioned. Yep. Marty asks Dr. R, what the heck are these gunstones doing on Oak Island? Dr. R says that perfectly spherical stones like this being transported to Oak Island would be very unusual. Yeah. Uh, Craig chimes in and says it's almost like a one in a million shot that these things were found on Oak Island. A shot? I don't think he actually. I know. I like the pun yeah. though, so yeah. that works. I, I mean, one in a million, but they could have done like trading elsewhere before coming overseas. I mean, there is a lot of. Oh yeah, well, and all those people are going to have cannons and yeah, guns and stuff. So exactly. Yeah, but I mean, especially that one that Gary found. It's like perfectly circular. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Billy uh, says that one of one of those came from underground at the money pit. And that's the crazy part. And that's Doug true. added that it came out of the caisson that we put in right next to C1. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's something. Yeah. So in a little side interview with Rick, he says that uh, these two shots, stone shots are not native to Nova Scotia and they're from two geographic regions that are highly aligned with the Portuguese and with Spain. Uh, and we now can say to ourselves, what theories align with these stone shots originating from those areas? Yeah. I mean, what fits with that? If that was, if that's a piece of the puzzle, what else fits? Oh, a lot. There's so many different types of things and different origins, if you will, that have been found on the island. You know, we have to keep in mind all the different trade routes of the times and what people were doing, uh, what rulers were around. How many different layers has this story? How many different time frames? Don't know. It could be from the 1200s, yo. It could be. Templar, baby. All right. Uh, Marty calls his this presentation astounding, says that uh, it was a great bit of data for them, and he thanks Dr. Rayside for, on the behalf of the whole crew. Dr. R replied that he was happy to help. In a little side interview, Marty says that these two little cannonballs are one of the most significant things they found on the island because they were being phased out from use in the early 1600s, and they find themselves with a way to uh, back their to that date again, mm -hmm. you know, early late 1500s, early 1600s. That's seems to be a lot going on in Oak Island at that time. <sighs> yeah. Uh, a busy place for sure. All and right. So now we got the final war room. It's the final war room. Do -do -do -do. Do -do 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 -do. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the final war room, Rick, Marty, Craig, Alex, Steve, Paul, there's a Paul sighting. Paul, what's up? Tom. Dan Tom. Hensky. I mean, this is, it's a real party this up in here. This is a who's who. Yeah, a war room. Doug, uh, they all welcomed Dr. Krista Brousseau. Yeah. Yay. Good job. We're so happy to see her in the war room. 
That's so, a lot of fun. Uh, yes, we love her. So Dr. Brousseau is there to present their, her scientific analysis of the metal artifact found at the depth of 75.5 feet in borehole CD 4.5. Yep. Uh, Marty says that Dr. Brousseau, uh, obviously she's there with some results and she responds that the war room's found she's found what are you trying to say i don't know well she agrees that they are interesting very interesting because we're sitting here are we're talking about the cannonballs right no no oh this is the metal yeah duh my bad i'm in the war room where are you um clearly not All right, so rig there. explains to dr brousseau that it's exceedingly rare for metals to come up into the out of their cores when they're yeah. drilling at all and if she finds it interesting they certainly will too yes so she says that the breakdown of the object that is is that they had um, sent her mm-hmm. the thing from 75 and a half feet is it's an iron object mm-hmm. and it does contain manganese manganese in one spot and in very high concentration so typically for her she considers that an indication that the manganese is original to the ore body and not added yeah because normally they would add it for strength yeah and so that's not there because they were explaining like two weeks ago Mm -hmm. when they went and saw her that the absence of manganese was good because that meant before prior yeah older Mm -hmm. but this presence of manganese does not indicate old or new yeah okay it's just being part of the original ore. okay i like that all right um so she says that the real interesting part of this particular object is there were several gold flakes on it several several yeah uh and then craig cheshire cat <laughs> grin he's like yes he, he is smile. way more of a dave than anybody mm-hmm. is willing to say oh yeah well, I mean, this is a, a much better day in the war room than uh, last week, apparently, for, <laughs> for uh, Rick, Marty, and Craig. Right. So um, Marty says, you know, wow. wow. Uh, Doug chuckles. You know, I mean, everybody's getting a little bit of a... Giddy. A little yeah, gold giddy. They're getting, they're getting excited. Rick has a huge smile. Uh, Dr. Brousseau says that there are three to four large flakes and a few smaller ones that were very obvious under the electron microscope. And of course, right away, that was interesting. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure if it says in here because, oh, yeah, because Alex talks further about it. So, what does Marty say, though, to that? Uh, Marty says, yeah, (laughs) I would say so. Yeah, that's interesting. Slash LOL. LOL. Yeah, he, he's, he's, uh, they're all, they're all having a good time at this point. They like hearing the word GOL. Pour some crown and sure. Dr. Brousseau continues the composition of the gold flakes on this piece is very, very similar to the composition of the gold uh, flakes that they found on the object that had come out of borehole D2, not the flame. Okay, <laughs> my the notes I wrote it said the way it says gold flame. It's just wow, funny, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> because we were talking about proofreading mm-hmm. not long ago, and we clearly don't proofread our notes. But when uh, you're about to post something on Facebook, I you do proofread it like a million times. Mm-hmm. But right here, I'm like the gold flame. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty good. But no, that's really interesting that the gold flakes having the same composition. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. I mean, for sure. 
I that's mean, a that's, good sign. That's that's uh, interesting and worth increased study. Mm -hmm. Right. So there was a side interview with Marty, and he said, uh, "For <clears throat> he says for there to be a significant treasure where they've been drilling all those boreholes seems far fetched at this point." Mm -hmm. uh, but if it's in an offset chamber, which is what this is kind of suggesting to him, then it all makes sense. It makes sense why it still uh, might be there mm -hmm. and why their predecessors didn't find it. And to him, that's exciting. It is exciting, especially considering C1 and the C1 cluster itself would have been offset. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, Alex asked Dr. Brousseau if she knows how the gold flakes are adhered to the metal, which is something I was wanting to know. Uh, are they stuck to it or wedged? in dr brusseau replied that they are stuck on to into the metal itself this at some point like it would have been transferred onto the ore it wasn't part of the composition so originally it was gilded as in gold as in gold <laughs> could be uh dr brusseau continues the thing that she found even more interesting because she can look at the composition that the gold um, and this gold have essentially like the gold that was found last time and yeah. found this time have essentially almost identical compositions. And historically, the only thing that she can find from antiquity with the high copper content and gold artifacts came out of South America. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, and that's like just when, uh, you know, uh, we had Marty a couple weeks ago on the, uh, uh, interpreter center patio mm -hmm. saying Spanish gold, right? I mean, and then we we see Doug, Doug, like it, it just before it goes to commercial break, we see Doug going, oh, like he's just like he's so excited. He is in his happy place, right? <laughs> he really is. So, oh man, yeah, and that also wowed Marty, of course. Naturally, Dr. Brousseau continued with her analysis that the composition of this gold is consistent with 14 karat gold and could be rose gold, and the higher copper content is used to make the gold stronger for jewelry, which is a good sign, right? Because things like artifacts or treasure oftentimes wouldn't include jewelry, something would. want to be a little bit more durable, possibly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Something to think about. Something sacred. Could be. Maybe. Don't Maybe. Uh, Alex. Huge smile. Huge smile. He is a happy camper too. He's like, oh, please, let's find this because I don't want to be here for the rest of my life. Yeah. For <laughs> episode two, season one. I thought it was episode one. Episode one. I don't know. Mm. The rest of my summer. Hopefully not the rest of my life. Well, dude. Sorry, bro. You already passed that you're, point. You're in now. Yep. All right, so Doug asks if this means that this gold um, has definitely been worked by man and couldn't be naturally occurring. Krista Brousseau replied that she didn't think this could be naturally occurring. That's a good question, Doug. Yeah, well, I think he was asking for the viewers because he probably already knew the answer. Yeah, to that probably, question. but it's good when you have Krista there and they're talking about the different types of gold. I think they do a lot of that in the show. Well, yeah, they've got to the explain viewers. it. Yeah for us they yeah. got tee it up yeah all right so marty says that he's excited that it's shown up on two different pieces and he's reached out to some uh treasure hunters looking for spanish gold and when the spanish first arrived and they first started plundering artifacts from the indigenous people um they had often um uh, 
a varying of the amount of copper mm-hmm. in the gold. And that so they melted sense. it all down and created what they called tum- is it tumbaga? He said tumbaga, tumbaga and she says tumbaga. <laughs> like, so they had like a little, a silent battle okay, of so it's how t- to say it's it. It's tumbaga then because I'm going with Dr. I'm Brousseau. Doing, <laughs> going with Dr. Christopher so It's tumbaga. Yeah. So what they call tumbaga bars. And if they were mainly gold, they called them gold bars. So that's what's really actually exciting here. Well, it makes sense. If you're plundering, you're going to melt it down and make it into something else. So it's not identifiable as whatever. Yeah. Of course, yeah, you're right. Um, Dr. Brousseau says, yeah, there's a history of the Spanish conquistadors making these tumbega mm-hmm. bars. Um, there is a little interview with Marty where he says, it turns out that the South American indigenous peoples use a lot of copper in their gold and silver. And when you melted it all together, you get some sort of composition, very much like what they found in the money pit. And he finds that ex- incredibly exciting and relevant. Yeah. Boom. That was the dynamite. <laughs> so, yeah. Clotworthy speculates that the gold might be uh, Spanish of origin, but stolen by the Portuguese and hidden on Oak Island. Oh, man. That's some I stash. got some history to be doing, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, hey, could be. Could it be? That's like the question so many here. Could, be could it here. be? Then it could align. Yes. Yeah. Rick says that he finds this information instructive and it's a cause for great hope and excitement and and anticipation about um that they are about to proceed or what they're about to proceed with doing i.e the case on install absolutely and there um couldn't be anything else better short of a coin or something uh treasure mm-hmm. coming up out of these holes so yeah i'd like to point out what uh our og uh agnes over here just said Mm -hmm. was thus the reason for the pine tar kiln we're talking about melting down of these metals Mm. and maybe she's thinking you melt them down to make them into something different there on the island Uh, i mean hopefully it wasn't the holy grail or the ark or the covenant yeah they're melting down I mean, that'd be sad. It would be sad, but I mean, it is a good point considering we know that there wasn't pine tar residue left over in on the site, which is nearly unheard of. That's so, you know, maybe they should be looking for some uh, metal with gold flakes over there. Could maybe. Uh, Trisha in the chat says, Don't you wish that Dave wasn't retired when all this was going on? It'd be such a fun war room. Oh, yeah. It'd be gold schlager and (laughs) all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. All right. So they're wrapping up the episode here with Mm -hmm. Marty saying that um, this is what keeps him going. Yeah. So and he wraps up the meeting by saying, "Okay, well, we have several things to do. Thank you, Dr. Brousseau. And they're going to get back to her when um, whenever they find some more things. And she says, sounds good. We'll call you tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what uh, Rick's hoping. Yeah, right. Of course. All right, so that's it. That's it. Then we get to what? Next time on. Next time on The Curse of Oak Island. Episode 5, Hatching the Plan. All I think is, caca! Because you said hatching, and I went to a bird. But 
I guess not because this hatch is a different one. It's different. It's definitely a different one. Different hatch. So um, for the next time on the Curse of Oak Island, they say at the money pit. We see at the money pit. We hear Terry say, let's have a look. Then say, whoa, that looks like a beam. Scott says <laughs> that. What? That's what it said. That's literally word Scott for word. Scott said that's pit saw. Mm hmm. I don't know what pit saw is, but that's what Scott said. Pit saw. I don't know. So I didn't mistype anything. I read it word for word. I was watching the closed caption. Well, the closed caption could have got it wrong. No, he said, he said, that's pit saw. And Terry replied, well, you got to like that. <laughs> so they're excited for whatever pit saw is. Someone get the Google. <laughs> whatever pit saw is, we're excited about it. At least Terry is. Mm -hmm. So uh war room meeting mm -hmm. uh their guest is there via teleconference suggesting that the map uh from xena halpern they may have misread not suggesting the hole under and the hatch yeah it would be the hole under, under the, hatch. the hatch oh duh like you lift the hatch <laughs> and there's a hole hopefully Maybe. it's not a latrine it's like a hole you're supposed to go down. Yeah, but didn't didn't Dave dig in that hole a long time ago? It was a different it was a different hole. Well, where they thought said hatch could be, and then it ended up being Dan uh, Hensky that had dug the hole, oh. and he was just he like let him explore it, and was like, <laughs> like hey guys, <laughs> hey, I dug that. Okay. Uh, when in doubt, you should just ask Dan first because mm -hmm. he'll tell you if he dug the hole or not. If you don't ask him, he's gonna let you uh explore the hole <laughs> all right so from youtube uh jazida um uh jazz dia says sawn by two people at one time you know like the big huge oh like the uh ones we see from the redwoods and yeah. all that so oh, maybe that cool that that could be something for a pit makes... saw more sense. All right. So Marty says, yes, we will go look in the in the said hatch. Mm -hmm. That's where they're going to be hatching the plan. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm so happy because that hatch is very intriguing. It uh, being up there. Yeah. I want if they lift it and it looks like a, something out of loss, don't do it. Well, but it's on the western side of the island. So it's somewhere that they don't do a lot of stuff. So it's fun to see what they can fi maybe find over there. Yeah, exactly. All right. So the next part of the note says Colin says. We conducted a magno magnetometer survey. I don't know who Colin is, but he's the one doing the survey. But it said his name on there. Yes. And the magnetometer survey, if I remember right, because they were talking about doing a very low, what, BRF survey, like what the Behringer survey was. Okay. Maybe that's what this is. Could be. So. Yeah. So um, the video shows him out in the field doing it. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, then in the war room, he says that this is a decent sized anomaly and it zooms in on the map. And Jack says that can be where the hatch on CNM's map could be. Wow. 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 Well, yeah. it's worth going to go check out. And then I would say, can we please look at Fred Nolan's maps and see if there was anything indicated, but not labeled because we know Excuse me. Yep. You know, he he would indicate something being somewhere, but wouldn't label like what it was. And then that way do a little cross-referencing. Just saying. Could be. Could. 
All right. So the last piece says, in what appears to be the Dunfield spoils pile, mm -hmm. Rick says, okay, Billy, let's find something. And Jack is heard saying, wow, wow, wow. And it looks like some huge beam. Like huge. Wow. Like, not uh, dimensional. Like huge and just like huge. huge. as in like it was round and you could do like dendro on it because it's not just the inner rings. I don't know. Okay. It was, I don't think it was that big. Okay. But I mean, like, you know, it looked, it looked like this big, you know, like that's pretty big for a beam. Yeah. I can, and, I, and I'm, I have my fingers up like, I don't know, 15, 20 Outside inches. Outside of the screen. Yeah. But yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's like this big. You can't even tell. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. No, it was, uh, Rather large, if yeah. you will. Come here, you. No, you're warm. I am warm. Um, <laughs> ah, gross. Uh, <laughs> All right. So we're done. Yeah, we're done. And we're uh, about to. Um, so what day is today? Sunday. And then we will have. Pre-game on, on Tuesday. Tuesday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, mm -hmm. uh, and that's because at five o'clock Pacific, eight p.m. Eastern, we have Gary Drayton doing a Facebook live stream of his own from I, I think probably the Oak Island account. So make sure you're following them as well. Yep. And then we will be here um, to do a recap of the next episode, and hopefully on Thursday next week. Yes, hopefully, hopefully we get all the suns and moons or whatever to align. Not all the suns because that would. Weird, but there's at least only one around these parts. The moons. Um, there's, there's lots of moons in the solar system, but only one real, real okay. Moon. What I was trying to say is just hopefully we make everything magically happen. Okay, so what we do have left to do is our clotworthy moments. Oh, yeah, duh. So, so who won the clotworthy moment of the week last week? Okay, last week was Mi'kmaq pottery discovered along the new stone feature. Mi'kmaq pottery. Man, I thought people might not vote for it because they're like mad at finding Mi'kmaq pottery on Oak Island and causing like a halt. A, a slowdown. Yeah. Well, well, good on you for not holding that against them. Exactly. All I right. think it was a very good clot worthy moment. Okay, so we have good job. Yay. Yay, that's the winner. So this week we have two new clot worthy contenders good that ones. we're going to put up on uh, YouTube or not yet YouTube. We're going to put it up on Facebook, Facebook. for you to vote. Um, for the winner. So what are the choices this week? A possible tunnel or a shaft some 90 feet deep in the area where the team also recently found evidence of silver and gold. Oh, I love, it's a long, I love that one. It's a long one. He had a lot of information to get out in that one breath. Heck yeah, he did. It was awesome. <laughs> Nicely done, Robert. How did that one begin? Uh, a possible, a possible tunnel? tunnel. Okay. Okay. Right, so, so what does that one go up against? A metal object, also discovered with possible evidence of a wooden tunnel, some 75 feet deep in borehole CD 4.5. Whoa. He does it again. Dang, man. He is he is so awesome. That is legit. It's impressive. Like, that guy's got to really have some lungs on him. <laughs> well done, Clotworthy. Well done. Bravo. Right. So, so we have if, some metal and a tunnel. Yeah. And if you want to vote, all you got to do is go to facebook.com slash Oak Island Podcast. Find our group that's mm -hmm. inside that. Um, if, if you go to Facebook and go to our page, there will be like a thing where you can look at community. Mm -hmm home a few other things click on the one that says groups 
Yes. Click on it and go to Could It Be an Oak Island group and join it. And if you know if you're not, and if you are, just go there and vote for the clotworthy moment of the week. Yep. Exactly. And it'll be those two up against each other. So it'll be fun to see which one wins next week. Okay. And last but not least, the ways you can get a hold of us. Go for it. So we obviously have Facebook at Oak Island Podcast. We also have on Instagram. You can find us at Oak Island Podcast. You can uh, email us, oakislandpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Oak Island Pod. Uh, we also have a phone number, a uh, message line, if you want to leave us uh, a nice voicemail. little voicemail. Yeah, it's uh, 360-836-4549. Yay! Yeah, so you can do all of those things. You can also, uh, like we said at the top of the show, if you wanted to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash Oak Island podcast and support us for as little as I think like uh, $3 per month. Mm-hmm. And uh, it goes a long way to keeping... Um, the, the show on. going <laughs> and uh if you want some new things i mean it would be a good opportunity to make that happen yeah so thank uh, you to everybody that supports us we also have our what do i want to say our website which is oakislandpodcast.com so if you want to buy some swag or some gift for friends and family now's the time to do it yeah so um thanks to everybody for being here live today a lot of people in chat yep. thanks for all of your uh, nice comments and we will see you guys again really soon on tuesday and uh, yeah i guess that's it so until next time could it be